Hello everyone, you're listening to Game Rivals, a podcast where a Nintendo fan and a PlayStation fan talk about the latest games and happenings in the gaming community and industry. I'm one of your hosts, Maximilian X, and together with Sean Templar, we bring you this bi-weekly podcast about video games. Alrighty, welcome back everybody to a new episode of the Game Rivals. I am here with my friend Maximilian X. What up, what up? Yo, how's everyone doing this weekend? I hope everybody Wait, is it weekend? Well, weekend, weekend, whenever day it is you're listening to this. <laughs> I hope it is a good yeah. one. It's uh we have a pretty cool episode lined up for people. We've been waiting to do to do this one for a while. I think we almost live towards this episode. Um, yeah, pretty much, just like everybody yeah, else. Yeah, so as, as many people might know that E3 is kicking off in a less than a week, or maybe in a week. Yes, it starts off actually uh, this Yeah, Friday, right, with EA, I believe, right? With EA State of Play. Um, they have a video presentation going up, and then on Sunday, the first press conferences start with Microsoft and Ubisoft, and I think Bethesda's also on Sunday. Square Enix is in there as well. On, and then on Monday we have, um, I think on Monday we have Square yeah. Enix. Yeah. So. And then on Tuesday we have Nintendo's uh, Direct. Yay! I'm so looking forward to that. Anyways, we're uh, mm. let's kick it off with the news, and this is all centered around E3 news. Uh, I wrote yes. I wrote a, down a bunch of stuff. Um, I think you saw some of them as well. I think I'll pick out the yeah, most surprising one because I think nobody saw that one coming, which is Death Stranding got a release date, which is November 8th. I would have called complete BS on that happening, but well, apparently we live in the upside down yeah, world. Yeah. So here we are with the release date of November 8th. Right? Can I just say that? I still do not know. I have no clue what that game is all about. I've watched all the trailers. I've read a lot of stuff about it. And I kind of have like a vague idea around what, about what it's about. And I said it to a friend of mine, like either it's going to be an amazing game and the game will explain all of itself while you play it, or it's going to be one of those cult hit classic whatever games and then it'll grab a cult following because I honestly don't know what that game is about. Mm, yeah, neither do I. But I. So here's the thing that at least from what I was able to gather by multiple views of the trailer and reaction shots and discussions, is that at the very least it's about connecting, connecting with people in the world, reconnecting people, reconnecting the world itself and the people in it. It's the main theme is connection, um, and. That's literally the only thing I could grasp from it because everything else just looks weird. Babies in bottles and goop monsters from another dimension and second world, like World War II stuff mixing together with modern stuff. That really looks awesome, stuff by the way. And the stuff I've seen. Matt Mixelson looking weird yeah, but he looks like singing to a I baby. Think he, at least he, I think he's the bad guy, but from what I've seen, he really looks like a cool bad guy. I mean, like the part where he rises from the water or the black oil or whatever it is, and then the soldiers around him are mm-hmm. him. That's like 
it, it really did something to me. But it's the same with the reveal trailer, which you had you had uh, been uh, what it was about Guillermo del Toro walking around with a baby into a tunnel, and then he would walk through the yeah. tunnel with his special forces unit or whatever. That is really really cool, and like they've really nailed the likeliness of him. He really looks like the real deal, did in the finest details. I honestly, here's the thing. I hope it's good because after the hype that it's had for the past four years, oh, okay. Um, yeah, so with the hype that it's had for the past four years, I'm kind of worried. I mean, it looks great. Don't get me wrong. It looks great. And they're, and they worked with Guerrilla Games to actually make this game. So it's built upon the engine that they use for Horizon Zero Dawn, which is really cool because it looked like it got a huge testosterone upgrade to everything. The character models, the 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 the, the digitally render rendered uh, actors that are in it, you can actually see that it's them. Their expression is exactly like we would see in a movie, which is almost really weird because it it looks like it has bridged the gap of the uncanny valley. But I don't want to put a fine pin on that just yet and say that it has. But it looks really cool. It looks really good. I'm just really worried that people are putting way too much on this game. And when they finally get their hands on it, they're going to get disappointed or say that it's mediocre. Um, I'm going to be honest. And maybe people wouldn't expect this. But some people know that the Metal Gear Solid franchise is my favorite games. And... Uh, you don't say uh, <laughs> And uh, for some that don't know, Death Stranding is being developed by Kojima Productions and Hideo Kojima had like a falling out with Konami and then he started his own production company again and Sony backed him up and that's why they're doing this game. Um, But the thing is, like the last Metal Gear Solid game, a lot of sites gave it a 10. And I think that game got a 10 because of the vastness of the open world and the mechanics and it was really thought through all the stuff that was in there it was thought through and it made sense and it just connected and it just fit into the whole piece the only thing i didn't like about metal gear solid phantom pain was the story and it was did you finish that game uh no i didn't finish that game i only finished um ground zeros are you ever gonna finish the game yeah if i get it it was free on PS Plus a couple of months ago. Didn't you get it then? Wait, what? Yeah. Oh my God. Okay, well, so I can't talk about the ending because you haven't played the game, but the ending in this game, again, like in Guns of the Patriots, was one of those vague endings in which it doesn't make sense or in a way that it, you would, exp- if you watch a movie and this stuff happens, then you're like, oh, I really didn't see that coming and that was so awesome. But in a game, it's too far-fetched. The ending was too much of a stretch. And the same with Metal Gear 4, Guns of the Patriots. I really got the feeling that they came up with so much storylines yeah, in but- the previous games. That they all had to wrap it up in one game. And then the endings of certain characters or certain storylines were so abrupt that you would think like, oh, but this isn't what I expected the game to go towards. And that's the kind of feeling I'm having with this game. From a mechanical standpoint, I firmly believe this game will be in the 10 area. But from a story point of view, it's so freaking vague that I honestly think it's going to be one of those games in which you you think the story is really cool, but when you play it, you're like, oh, okay, yeah, uh, okay, they pulled the same trick again. Yeah, but 
with the exception of the original Metal Gear Solid, don't you think that every subsequential Metal Gear Solid game had the same problem? I mean, because um, Metal Gear Solid 2 had the same problem with the I like the third one. I really like the ending of the third one, but that's more because maybe it's because it was a prequel. Okay, well, with the exception yeah, of the third one. Yeah, but indeed, after that, like the second one, it was strange. The Guns of the Patriot was strange. The ones on the PSP were okay because it kind of tied into the three era. So that was kind of cool because then it moved, it continued on that show. I mean, Peacemaker, right? Sorry? Peacemaker. You yeah, know. and uh, there was Peace Walker and there was another one. Yeah, there were, Walker, there were two sorry. or three ones on the PSP. And they made sense because they continued on the Soviet era kind of uh, storyline. So that made sense because it didn't add too much new stuff into it. It just deepened the Soviet area stuff, which I really like, but they just come But isn't it because, oh, sorry, but isn't it mostly because if you look at, like, even if you look at like Metal Gear Solid and then Metal Gear Solid 3 and uh, Peace Walker, those were more rooted in um, realism, I would say. The, the, the stories were grounded, is what I'm trying to say. They weren't overly complex yeah. political blah yeah. blah blah says they were very simple spy Definitely. stories yeah that were that was told it kind of was well. like a james bond game but you know and i like yeah. that i really like that so that's the only gripe i have with this game that it's going to be like a complete mess in the story and that they you know it'll be a disappointment on that end from a mechanical standpoint i'm not worried because they know how to make good game mechanics yeah yeah all right uh, um I will. I do want to bring up one point though, and I, this doesn't have to do anything with E three, but just to to um, bring this whole uh, conversation back to uh, Kojima again. Uh, this week, uh, it was announced um, that. Uh, do you know uh, what's that game called again? That it was a game on Kickstarter that got like. It's probably the best fun, uh, publicly funded game ever. Star Commander? It was called Star, Star Citizen. Star Citizen, yeah, that one. Yeah. So Star Citizen wasted all their money, and the game is nowhere near being complete. Yeah. And that's mostly because they don't have a they don't have a publisher to tie down the creative mm-hmm. lead, and he's just been going completely mental with trying to get as much feature yeah. in it, features in the game as possible. So feature creep is out of control for that um, for that whole game, and they've been using the money to fund the game to pay, of course, everybody that's yeah, involved yeah. with the game, and they're still looking for yeah, more because money. They have ga- they have ships in the game that can cost up to twenty k in real life money. Yeah, but they don't have to cost that. They only cost that because pay the they money. need the money yeah, to yeah. build the yeah, game. But this is not our struggle. <laughs> yeah. this is something that's been going on for years. And, no, but the thing is, is that even with that, I forget the creator's name, but the point is, is that he has like complete auteur ownership of the project. So there's nobody there to tell him no, because they're like, oh, this is the guy that did Wing Commander and Wing Commander 2. But he's also the guy that did the Wing Commander movie. So, hmm. you know, your mileage may vary in giving this guy creative freedom over a project. So now they're trying. So now people are like, well, what? Maybe they should just find a publisher to give them a hard to to fund the project and give them a hard date and actually get the game out. And the only difference between that and this is that 
Kojima at least has to adhere to hmm. Sony to actually bring out a project. So I think that's the only other reason why Death Stranding is coming out when it's coming out. And it's probably also a good reason for Sony to be like, you know what? Uh, Naughty Dog, you guys got a little more time to bake The Last of Us Part Two. We're going to push Death Stranding out and make sure that that game comes out this holiday season. Because it's not like they're going to release The Last of Us Part Two to compete with Death well, Stranding this year. Let me just say two things so, and yeah. then we can move on to the next game because there's a whole list. First, I think that the best partner for Star Citizen to publish would be uh, the guys behind the, uh, what the, what's the game called? Uh, Eve Online. I think those guys will be perfect fit yeah. to publish this game because they have a vast online world. And I think like the idea, mm -hmm. the vision this guy has for that game matches completely with the Eve Online. Or they should just buy the whole studio and integrate either that into Eve Online or transition Eve Online into his game. That would be an amazing fit. And the other thing, I actually have a bet, which I'm probably going to lose right now, but I had a bet with a friend. I said, or I predicted that The Last of Us was going to come out this year. And he said, no, 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 the game is nowhere near done. It's not going to come out this year. The other day, I read a rumor that Last of Us was going to come out this year, but it got pushed so Death Stranding can fill that gap and Last of Us can finish up in 2020. So I'm going to probably have to buy that guy a six-pack of Coke, but that's okay. Ooh. Moving on. <laughs> the liquid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Coca-Cola. Yeah. Not um, Call of Duty Modern Warfare got announced, and it's a soft reboot of the original Modern Warfare. Yeah. You don't um, play shooters, so I don't think you're excited. Is no, I mean, that's not the reason I'm going, yeah. Because apparently, have you have you read the, the reports on this, on the reveal of this? Yeah, I kind of like the direction they're headed to. Yeah, because it's it's really about the contra controversial stuff. In one of the, the they told I read an article in which they played one of the, the demos, or one of the demos was played to them, and it's from a perspective of a little girl who is in a war zone. They drop a bomb under her house. It's during the Russian invasion of Afghanistan, I think, and then the Russians drop a bomb on her house. Her parents die, and she's stuck under the rubble with her brother. She gets out, and she gets hunted by the Russians. The Russians are trying to play around with them and they hide and they run into the sewers and whatnot. And they try to escape that while well, the Russians try to shoot at them or kind of scare them by missing and stuff like that. I like that stuff. Not because I like little girls being haunted by Russians, but that's like the real mean gritty stuff. Cause I think probably later in the game, you'll play as this girl who's finally grown up, who's kind of have a, who kind of has a backstory and who has a, has a reason why she wants to, like cause terror because she has a valid reason because she lost her family and, and a lot of these games you only see it from the from the perspective of the good guys but now you kind of get to see it from the perspective of the bad guys or the bad girl in this case and now you, you can see that she has a valid reason to be pissed well i don't well that's not just it's not just that i mean there are other aspects of that um preview that that people have been talking about making this a very visceral game in terms of not just the actions that are that you're doing, but the actions that are actually taking place, and the level of realism that Call of that this yeah. Call of Duty game yeah. has, I've seen the trailer that 
I'm not gonna lie. I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm not someone who's driven by, you know, having the best graphics. If you have great graphics, fine, great, perfect, love it. If you can make great use of it, even better. But this is so like from what we've already were able to see. If I imagine seeing that and then having to see a little girl in that same level of fidelity going through that, that's, but for me, I get it because it's a video game. And I understand that they want to do something more, they want to do something deep. They want to do something that's more grounded, something that's more real. But I can tell you right now, if the no Russian mode, the no Russian level from the original Modern Warfare got people to get up in arms. What do you think if a whole game that is like that would Funny do? thing you should mention that because in one of the articles, the developers said that the no Russian mission was their inspiration in which they wanted to take, the, in which direction they wanted to take this game. And to be honest, it might seem like a, a pretty heavy thing to do. But when you look at it, in the end, it's the re reason we have games is because it, it's fun, it's entertainment, it helps you to de-stress, it helps you to bond with friends, it helps to, to it create communities, it brings people together. And the one thing that it always wants to do, and it's really hard to do, and what movies has kind of done is create like a connection between it and what you're playing. And some games have nailed that, like The Last of Us but also games like Firewatch, which is a smaller game. These games can yeah. reach people on an emotional level and can connect or cause a connection to for them to feel with the game. And as visceral as this game might look or seem or sound, I think this game will cause an emotional connection. And it might not have to be a positive connection because that would be pretty messed up. But it might get people <laughs> to see things from a different perspective, or it might get people to experience things from a different perspective. And I think when a game tries to aim for that, it's something different than being this the, the gazillion shooter in which you have to kill terrorists and whatnot, because you know it's you're the good guys and you need to kill the bad guys because democracy always needs to prevail and America is amazing and whatnot, you know? Okay, uh, yeah, I mean well true but then again that's i don't know it's just okay so then i have to ask you this question i mean i'm assuming you played uh call of duty 4 right i played the first modern warfare i played the second modern warfare after that i skipped black ops because i didn't like it i played the single player of infinite warfare I... okay but i'm talking specifically the, the first, first modern one. warfare because my my question is yeah i love that game i played call of duty modern yes. warfare uh, for or Call of Duty for Modern okay. Warfare because now you have these two distinct things we have to keep them separate. Um, I played it for about halfway through the game, and when it came up to the right, the White Russian mission, the they later of course patched in the whole like if if you don't want to play this controversial level, you're allowed to skip it. I skipped it because I already saw what ha I already saw the whole scene by then on YouTube, so I was like. I kind of don't feel like playing this level, whether I'm going to shoot I think or you're not. Confusing I don't want to see innocent people getting mowed over. The No Russian Mission. Did you play Yeah, that but level? the No Russian Mission is in Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. It's not in the first one. Wait, yeah. Was two? Yeah. Um, huh. I did play the mission, but I played the mission without knowing that um, 
it was there. So I didn't follow anything online. Yeah, so you played. So you played it before they yeah, did the patch. Yeah, without the controversy around and it. And that was that was around the time the game yeah, actually yeah. came out. Okay, so I played it after the game came out and after the controversy had happened and after yeah. they did the patch. So I chose not to partake in the okay. scene because a I had already seen it and b I'd rather not partake in something that seemed very real mm -hmm. at that time probably because from a moral but even if i'm even if i were to even if it wasn't that and you weren't able to skip it i might have shut the game off if i've if that scene popped up for me and just to the and partake in the scene whether i were shooting the innocent people or I can not understand that yeah so i, I don't know i hope I hope it goes over well. I hope people understand the creative decision that um wait, which studio is handling this? The original this one? one, Infinity uh, Infinity Ward. Oh, Infinity Ward. Okay. So I hope they I hope they see Infinity Ward's vision in this one and understand their creative decision that they made to make the game the way it is and not just use it as fodder. Well, uh yeah, we'll have to wait and see. It comes out October 25th. Another cool thing is to mention is, is this is, I think, besides Fortnite, the first major, major game that's going to support crossplay. So it's going to support crossplay on PC, yeah. on Xbox, oh, man. and on PS4. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, that's going to be a big one because I don't know how they're <laughs> going to handle the PC part, but for the PlayStation versus the Xbox part, I think that's going to spark a cool community versus community kind of thing. But here's the surprising thing. They're allowing yeah, yeah. it, which means that Sony buckled for Call of Duty. I think Sony has to because, one, they got exclusive content on it, which people might not care about right now because they can play with their friends <laughs> on any platform. And I think Call of Duty yeah. has some leverage because it's Call of Duty. And I think Sony th thought mm. like, hey, that's Modern Warfare. That's probably going to push millions. We want to be on the front row and sell a lot of PlayStations for that one because, you know, it's money. Yeah. yeah. Oh man. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Um dang, that pro that probably won't be on Game Pass, won't it? Oh. No. Another thing from Activision that's coming out is the new, or probably it's gonna be uh, announced, is the Destiny 2 expansion. Oh, really? Wait, when they, they have, they have a date set for when they will announce it, which will be around E3. And uh, because oh, okay. Sony's not doing a press conference, which we might get into later. Um they don't have like a public forum to announce the game. So I think they're going to go the old way and do like the, their vid docs, which is these long videos, kind of documentary style, yeah. in which they give a lot of information about the game in one go. So they're probably going to announce their new expansion, um, which is exciting because it's the first expansion they're doing as an independent studio, I believe. Yeah, that's So they right. finally that's might right. able to pull it off and give the fans what they want in one go instead of saying, hey, we messed up again, but we're going to fix it. You know, just stay with us and then slowly work towards it. Yeah. Can't say that much for Anthem. Uh, we'll uh, have to touch on that as well. <laughs> uh, there's some movement oh, on the Anthem boy. front. I read the other day that the Cataclysm is finally going to happen. And the Cataclysm is their eight-week-long yeah. eight event, kind of with their raid. Uh, yeah, it's actually already in beta for a bunch of people. Yeah. So some people have already kind of seen it, and it it's not bad, 
but it's not great either, at least in terms of the rewards that they're getting from it. But apparently if you do like the whole thing for all of the eight weeks, you get some special um, gear that's the, the, the gear that you're getting outright. It's like five levels higher than the end game stuff. So apparently it's, it, it is good stuff, what you would expect from an event like that. But I don't know. We'll just have to kind of wait and see. The funny thing is, is EA put their EA Play schedule online and Anthem isn't mentioned anywhere. So it either is like a surprise appearance it's going to make, but otherwise it's not mentioned because they're going to start it off with Jedi, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Then they're going to do so. No, because it's basically their last shot to actually win. <laughs> Star Wars game, yeah. But the funny thing is, is they're going to follow it up with Apex Legends. After that, they're going to do Battlefield Five, which I'm really looking forward to. I finally hope the Pacific DLC is going to come out. Um, they're going to do some stuff around FIFA. They'll probably announce a new FIFA game, a new Madden NFL game, and then The Sims 4, which I did not expect. Stuff for The Sims yeah. 4? Isn't it time to move on to a new Sims game? I mean, don't get me wrong. Sims 4 is not a bad game. It's just... it. When did that game... I think that game has been out for quite they a long time. They just played the expansion game, I think. All right. Um, yeah, so we had a... Well, we... I had a little... Um, issue here um going into things uh my power got knocked out not just for me but for like half the city i mean and um that's why we had this short little interlude in there so apologies for that but uh now we're back in full swing of things and we're going to continue where we left off which was the sims Um, 4 i believe yeah yeah i was talking about the sims 4 and why they are not just coming out and announcing a new Sims game. Um, Again, not that Sims 4 is a bad game, and for what they've done with it, I give them all the kudos in the world, but it's, I think it's been almost 10 years since Sims 4 came out, and I know that the, 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 the expansion packs make money for them. Of course they do. It's cheap. It's cheap effort put in, make slap a value on it not saying that the effort that they put into it is not a lot but come on um but yeah i don't know maybe they don't have something i don't maybe they don't have enough ideas to actually make a full-blown sequel which is why they're still doing the expansion packs i don't play the sims so i honestly don't know but i know that with previous sims they just kept releasing expansion packs every so often so i think that's their business model hmm. yeah I, I i don't i'm curious to see if they're gonna do anything around the new ip because they've showed their schedule and there's nothing new in there so i wonder if there's gonna be a new ip or not but we'll just have to wait and see for that yeah true um what, yeah so what else when we're talking about ea well what I, else, uh... I did see that uh, but then that's not going to be at EA, at, at EA Play or at E3, but there's going to be a new Need for Speed game this year because mm-hmm. it's the 25th anniversary for uh, Need for Speed. 
and the developer said that they're going to do something later this year and it's going to be amazing. So I kind of hope it's going to be like an uh, Underground 3 maybe. That was really, uh, that's something I'm really hoping for, but I don't know. We'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, I mean, we were talking about it the last episode that we were uh, we were talking about it. So not the previous episode, which was our bonus episode. <laughs> check that out. Please check it out. Um, but yeah, we were talking about how great the Need for Speed Underground series was and Honestly, I would love to have a revival of that. Remaster that for all I care. That would be a good remaster. Yeah, totally. Definitely. It was fun. It had different modes. It had the whole underground street gang thing. It had customization. It had a... I want to say it has a killer soundtrack, but that would mean that we have to talk about EA Tracks. And EA Tracks is kind of a butt of a joke. And, yeah, um, the less you say about that, the better. But their implementation in Need for Speed Underground was legit. So, yeah, I mean, just talking about it, and I already hear, like, uh, ah, so that's a, that, that was a weird time in uh, gaming with licensing music and stuff. It was, uh, it was really cool. Yeah, it was really cool. Yeah. Is there anything left for this segment, or should we move on to the next one, our predictions? Well, uh, I see something around the Playmate you wanted to discuss. Yeah, so this is not really E3 related, but I um, do I did want to bring this up because this is actually a really cool story. So this past week or so, um, the publishers of Firewatch announced that they were bringing out their own piece of hardware, which is called the Playmate, which is a cute little handheld device um which kind of looks like a squashed game boy light but it has this weird gimmick which is a crank on the right side of the device and the crank is not to power up the handheld which i think most people thought that it was including myself it is actually another form of uh input in the game so there are games that are coming out for the playmate that has functionality with uh the crank one of these is a time traveling well a time manipulation game where you play the game and at a certain point if you want to rewind you can use the crank to rewind and it's it is an analog style input so with how much or how little you're uh, winding up or down on the crank, you go forward and backwards through the scenes, like time travel, and then manipulate the scene from there on out, which is really cool. The interesting thing, though, is it is a modern device, so it has uh, Bluetooth and Wi-Fi capabilities. It has uh, storage, of course, because how else are you going to get the games on there? Um, but the way you get games on this device is very unique. So it allows you to receive games on what they call seasons. And this is something you have to subscribe to. You subscribe to it, and every season you have essentially new games to look forward to. And their whole gimmick with that is that on game day, you get a bunch of new games added to the system, and you just go out and explore and try out these games and see what you like. And that's kind of basically it. 
it is a really cool thing to look forward to. The only thing though is that the system is a hundred and fifty or so dollars, which translates to about uh probably a hundred and thirty euros or something. And the screen is black and white. But from what I've seen from the from some of the previews of the of the video games that they showed for the device, it looks interesting enough. Um I've been looking at I haven't really followed it, so I'm just looking at it right now. Oh, okay. It's um <laughs> it's it's I the Verge is an article about it about the cutest uh portable or cutest yeah, what do they call it? Let me just see. They had an article about it. It really looks funny and it's gonna come out next year, I believe, and it's gonna cost $149. Yeah. So that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. coming out in 2020. The cutest the game um, are I think uh somewhere around the end of this year. Yeah, it really just reminds me of a Game Boy, and it really looks it kind of looks modern to be honest. It doesn't look like it's something from back in the Game Boy days. It really looks nice. Yeah, exactly. Um it, I am curious to see how this works out, and I don't know. Maybe if we get more, uh, if we get a bigger audience, then maybe we we will be able to afford getting one of these things and try it out for ourselves. But it looks like a really cool device. But here's the thing: the device is also coming out in a limited quantity, and which is fair because it's their first device that they're bringing out ever. They don't want to be stuck with inventory that they can't sell after the you know, initial <laughs> hype dies down. Just Which like we saw with uh, the Ouya, I believe. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Whoever came up with that idea, yeah. Also, R.I.P. Ouya. It it uh, it passed along, or at least its um, its digital storefront uh, closed down. Uh, I think a week ago or so. It should have died a long time ago. Well, they stopped making the hardware years ago, but. Like this past week was the the week that the service, the uh, the game store service uh, shut down. Finally, yeah. But speaking about the playmate, I get it, but that also kind of makes it a problem because let's say they sell through their initial lot, do we know that they're gonna bring out more? Yes or no. How long are they going to support the device? We don't know because they're not bringing out, they're not selling you games. They're just asking you to subscribe to their service. And then you get to look forward to whatever games they bring out every season. Well, so, if, if nobody takes a risk in these things, then we will always stay in that like kind of holy trinity of PlayStation, Xbox, and Nintendo. So, I encourage these kind of things because it challenges the market and it challenges the market to look into a different way um, instead of just letting the trends continue on. Like we know that the future is going to be streaming services. So eventually we won't have physical boxes anymore, but I think we're still 10 years out before we see that. But like, I like challenging the known market. We saw it with mobile devices at the beginning of this generation that they the developers wanted to add an extra layer on top of it with mobile devices. Unfortunately, it didn't work that well, but you know, yeah. Yeah, truly. Um, yeah, I, honestly, I'm looking forward to my, for to myself. I'm actually kind of curious how the, how people are going to react to it. Well, we'll, we'll see when that part comes up. Um, but moving on from that, there is one more thing. EA, um, EA, E3 related that I want to bring up before we move on to the next segment. 
which is that Google is going to be announcing some stuff in terms of the Stadia during E3. They're actually attending E3. Yep. That's kind of what we predicted when we did the Stadia episode, that they said they'll let us know more in June, and we kind of said, okay, it'll probably be around E3. Yeah, I mean, that would literally be the only time they'd be able to do it. But what I didn't expect was them to actually attend E3 themselves. I just assumed they would, they would do some announcement outside of E3 during the week. Um, I think they kind of have to. expect them to actually attend it. So, uh, yeah, that's it, yeah, it's great. They have to do it, I think, because they kind of need to create a presence. They say, like, hey, we're here and we take you guys serious and we want to help you guys. So I think that's the best way for them to create visibility for themselves. Oh, most definitely. Yeah. yeah. Otherwise, it'll be like, uh, I don't think it'll be as convincing as if they're not there. This is more like a real personal approach. Um, I read the other day that they're going to announce pricing and availability and availability of games in the summer. So I don't know if it's going to be at E3 That's, or maybe I after think it's going to be during E3. So Yeah, so we're going to have to see. But yeah, it's almost the wait's almost over. Yeah, I, I, well, I mean, we'll cover that when that happens and we'll see what they'll announce and we'll see how much it costs. Honestly, as I said before during that episode, it's going to be... The part of it's obviously going to be the pricing, and I honestly am not a hundred percent sure if they'll get that right. But yeah, yeah, who knows? Cool. All right, I guess that's going to be it for the first segment. Uh, stick around, guys, and we'll be back with our E three predictions. <laughs> And welcome back to the second segment of our podcast, where we are going to do our E3 Hype Train Predictions. Yay! Wow, that was very underwhelming. Um, yeah, because you're going <laughs> to predict a lot of stuff about Nintendo and nobody cares about that. No, I'm okay. actually, no because there's a lot to predict. There's actually a lot to predict this time around. Bef- who was the one that said e- Nintendo is going to win this E3 while we were in the break? Oh, yeah, they're totally going to win, mostly because they're the only ones that are doing anything worthwhile. But aside from that, um, let's because start Even though a- Sony is not there, I'm going to put on a green shirt. I'm just rooting for the green guys for <laughs> once. Wow, really? Okay. On um, your side. Should I um should I just tell Shuei Yoshida to send the ninjas? No, no, no. The ninjas got my back because they're not here this time. So go team green. <laughs> All right. It's the lesser of two evils. Mm-hmm. Right. So um um if yeah, you... so let's kick up let's let's kick off the predictions. Uh Sean Templer, what is your first prediction? I hope. And I kind of think Ubisoft is finally going to show either a new Splinter Cell, because we've been Mm -hmm. waiting for that one for a long time, Mm -hmm. or they're going to show a new Watch Dogs. Do you think that franchise still has any life in it? Watch Dogs? Yeah. I think that franchise really redeemed itself with the second game. The first one is one of the reasons I bought my PS4, and then it got postponed at the last minute. Yeah, And while I was playing that one, when it finally came out, I really liked it, but it was too repetitive. Um, 
And the second one re- kind of reinvented itself because it was like a complete different departure from the first one. The first one was fo- heavily focused on combat, whereas the, f- the second one was really more on exploration and more on the hacking skills. Um, I kind of dislike the combat in the second one, but the, the second one really made up for it because it was, yeah, it really did things different. I kind of liked the, the Google-esque enemy stuff in there and the San Francisco stuff in there. Uh, that you had your uh, maps on your uh, on your smartphone, which really looked like Google Maps. So it was, it was really cool. I could really relate to the game. Okay. I Well, I mean, I'm assuming that it was a better outing than the first game was, but did it sell well? I mean, I, I guess don't, it I don't, reviewed. I can't remember if, enough, it, but... if it really sold well. I don't remember if, if it would be announced a lot of sales figures, but the reviews were, I think, a lot more positive and the main character was also a lot more better. The previous character in the first one is, he was this really, he was this guy that had gone through a, like a tragedy, but you didn't really find out until later in the game. But he was like this super pissed off guy, kind of like a John Wick, the whole movie. And he was like, I'm really mad. Kind of like a Batman or something. <laughs> uh, really the world. It's not who I am underneath, but what I do that defines me. You know, stuff like that. And the yeah. second one was really different. I, I really liked the second more character more. It had more depth to it. Well, I don't know. The official sales put it at around 3.3 million um, units. That's okay. Which is all right, um, all things considering, but it yeah, I mean, it started off strong and it kind of really tapered off quite quickly. After yeah. that. And I think there's another prediction, and that's something UB does every E3, is they'll probably announce maybe one or two new IPs at this E3. They kind of, that's, that's why I like Ubisoft a lot this generation. They're really showing their old existing franchises in a new, in reinvented way. And they are not, they're not afraid to announce new IPs. So I think they'll do it again. And I think that, for example, Ghost Recon Breakpoint will take up a lot of portion of their uh, presentation. The Division 2 will probably get some uh, attention in this presentation. They've confirmed that there's not going to be an Assassin's Creed this year. So maybe they'll just let it pass altogether or tease people for next year. Um, In general, from all the publishers besides Sony, I am always rooting for Ubisoft because they're, in my opinion, the only ones that are actually trying to take a risk yeah, true. Um, the well, okay. So to be fair, um, we've had we've well actually there's actually one game that I'm predicting that they'll probably that they may or may I'm not a hundred percent sure they will show it, but it's been a while since they showed it, which is Beyond Good and Evil Two. I think they'll definitely show that one. They kind of have to because they haven't said anything since last E3 basically on the whole subject and it's been really quite on the front and considering the the behind the scenes banter that I heard that I read online about you know about that specific game is just that their approach to how they want to build this game is weird because they want to do it with fans with feedback from fans and outsource outsource in quotes the 
part of the workload to fans, which is a really weird thing. And it just gives me Mega Man Legends 3 flashbacks, which is not a good thing. Um, I don't know. Um, I mean, I guess we'll just have to see until E3. I hope they show something. I hope it looks good because at least the first gameplay that they showed us, at least a little bit of the gameplay that they showed us, looked promising. But that's all it all, all it is to me. It, it, it looked promising. Yeah. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see. I think it'll be a definite show there. Oh, and I'm also predicting that we'll probably get a sequel to Mario versus Raditz Kingdom Battle because that actually really sold well. Oh, yay. And they've kind of been hinting that they might actually do a sequel or something in that vein with that game franchise. So who knows? Plus, they're, they've become really buddy-buddy with Nintendo over the past years. 10 years or so. Yeah. Because they like even during the Wii even during the Wii U era, they were the first to like jump on that bandwagon and support the Wii U with Zombie U and um, uh, the Assassin's Creed 3. I don't think Black Flag made it to Wii U. I don't think so. But still, the early the early response was really on there, you know, Rayman Legends, stuff like that. Yeah. So, yeah. And of course, it's Ubisoft, so a new Just Dance. Uh, <laughs> yeah looking forward to that one too. Um, I think we right. briefly mentioned EA but yeah I, said, I told you earlier that I think they're going to focus on existing IP and they're not going to do anything new so there will be a lot yeah. of folks around Battlefield, FIFA, Madden stuff like that hopefully something around Anthem because Anthem really needs like a, a boost to its life otherwise it might die out but you said that they already sent out their um, itinerary for EA Play, yeah, which does not mention Anthem Anthem at all. I know, but it would be a bad move not to talk about Anthem because the way I think, what, I think what's going on internally is that they're trying to do this um, reinvention, like a Anthem 2.0, to bring out... A big the content. To pull a No Man's Sky, you mean? Yeah, yeah, a No Man's Sky or a Final Fantasy fourteen or whatever you want to call it. But I think that they're really trying to make the game the How way do they have three games this generation that have basically been through the same kind of thing. It always comes back to the same answer. Frostbite, mismanagement, lack of vision, you know, internal struggles a lot. No, I mean like in general, not just not just the uh... But this was EA. I mean, like the three games that EA did with Bioware, uh, Anthem, Aspect Andromeda, and Dragon Age, a little bit, all suffered from the same issues. Mm. EA trying to jam Frostbite through everyone's throats, partially. Yeah, and with No Man's Sky, it obviously was overpromised and underdelivered. Oh, definitely. But that game yeah. kind of redeemed itself as well. Yeah. True. And yeah, I mean, at least Final Fantasy fourteen wasn't broken. It, it it just wasn't a good game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh well. Uh, well so... Speaking of EA, yeah, I actually have a prediction for them outside of Anthem itself. Um, I predict that EA will probably. They'll probably put out more. They'll probably announce more than one um, 
uh, what is it called again? The EA Originals? Something like that. Yeah, they're indie label. Like every, yeah, so like they're indie label. Every year they basically put they put a spotlight focus on one of the games that they announced during uh, EA Play. But I think with the amount of stuff, and especially since they're not going to show anything about... Well, I'm assuming that they're probably not going to show anything about Anthem. They have to fill that void somehow, so they might have to rely on another indie developer bringing something interesting up. I'm, I honestly legitimately feel that that probably would be the better way to go um, than trying to force to say stuff about Anthem when they don't have anything ready. They might also say like, surprise, Anthem Cataclysm is starting E3 week, which is probably, all, which also, by the way, is the worst time to start something like that because everybody's focused on, you know, gathering information about new games that are coming out. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. If um, I... What I am predicting also is that they'll probably not, pro- they'll probably not announce something that's coming to the Switch because, you know, yay. Nobody cares about the Switch. Uh-huh. <laughs> you, know, but, uh, you know what it is? If I just keep on repeating it often, people will eventually start to believe me and just buy a PlayStation. Huh, if I tell yeah. you you're crazy every day, 10 times a day, eventually you'll start to believe you're crazy. So if I just do that with the Switch, eventually <laughs> people will start to believe, yeah, I don't need a Switch. I'll just buy a PlayStation. You know, PlayStation. Ah, yeah, that's very funny. Yeah. yeah. Everybody has what they like, and, you know, that's fine. You like what you like, I like what I like. Yeah. That's why we make such a good team. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> so, moving on from EA, let's go to the other ones on the list. Um, Did you actually read that the Microsoft press conference leaked out? I don't know if it's 100% confirmed, but apparently it leaked out. Yeah. So, here's the thing. Um I heard about it. I didn't check it out, um, but I am kind of curious. But like in big terms, like what are they actually going to show off there? Because let's be honest, we know that they bought a lot of studios. They acquired a lot of studios last year, and part and a couple of them were already working on titles before they got bought by Microsoft. They're there, so they're finishing those off. And those are multi-platform games, um, like what is it again? I think it was Outer Worlds. Yeah, yeah, by Obsidian and the original creators of Fallout. So that's still happening, and they, um, I think there was a, I, th- I, I think we might see more about we might see more of that stuff. I have um, the list in front of me, so if you're able, but, if you want, I can read it for you. Yeah, sure. Go ahead. Let's see. Let's see what they got. So apparently, it's Halo Infinite with a new trailer and a holiday 2020 release date. They'll oh, probably yeah. do totally that. Totally forgot about that game. They'll probably release that with their new Xbox. Um, Obviously, Gears Five will get a full gameplay reveal with a September release date. Mm-hmm. Then Gears Tactics, I don't know that game, will get a new trailer with a release date. Yeah. Ori and the Will of the Wisps will get a new trailer with a release date. Mm-hmm. Apparently, there's a new game, a new IP from Ninja Theory called Bleeding Edge, which will be a cross-gen sci-fi game. Okay. Well, the Outer Worlds will get a new trailer and a release date. Obviously. Cyberpunk 2077 will get a gameplay trailer and a release window reveal. Wait, 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 wait. That one doesn't make sense. Why? 
because um, uh, Project CD Red said they were not going to show anything off about Cyberpunk this year. Well, what I read the other day is they're going to do two gameplay demos. And one is for the public, one is for the press, but they won't be putting them online. That's what I read last week. Okay, so it's basically, again, behind closed doors. Things. Something like that. But maybe they'll do something at the Microsoft Grants. Again, this list isn't 100% confirmed. Let's take it with yeah. a grain of salt. Um, <laughs> one I'm really excited about is Age of Empires 4 with a gameplay reveal and a 2020 release date. Who would be developing that? Uh, they already announced it. Uh, Relic Entertainment is doing it. The guys behind Company of Heroes and all those Warhammer games. Oh, cool. Yeah, those are they announced uh, the game last year or the year before. So they, it's been in the, in the works for a while. Oh, good. Yeah. It's not a rush job. And then apparently there will be a Fable reboot, and it's a tease for next-gen Fable game, but the game itself is exclusive to the next Xbox for a likely release in 2021. And wow, then, so... Does that mean that we're not going to see the next Xbox until 2021? I think it's going to come out next year. Because further down the line, there is some info about the next Xbox. But we get Sea of Thieves new content. We get Battletoads gameplay and release date. Project... Oh, wow, I totally forgot that they announced <laughs> that that was happening. Yeah. Project xCloud will get an info dump. Nice. And then the thing we've all been waiting for, the next gen Xbox will get a baseline of specs. Kind of what they did with the Scorpio, I think. Yeah. Third-party games I... will be shown. And then mm -hmm. there's a part about a high chance of happening, and that is Mech Assault, a new Mech Assault game review. Oh, sweet. Yeah. And then there is a new Forza Motorsport, a next-gen Forza might be teased. Okay. Um, a new Capcom game, rumored to be either a Resident Evil 3 remake or a new Dino Crisis games. Huh. Then some mm -hmm. Japanese developed games. Who knows which ones it will be. Um, mm -hmm. A small chance of happening is a next-gen Rare game, a Perfect Dark reboot, and another set of acquisitions by Xbox Game Studios, possibly either IO Interactive, the guys behind Hitman, okay. uh, Asobo, I've never heard of that one, and Relic Entertainment might be acquired. Well, that would explain, you know, the age of empires. Empire, so. Yeah, but that's about a bit. And I think that the first part mm. is pretty plausible. I mean, Microsoft isn't really known for doing super out of the box things, and this is kind of playing it safe, which does work in their interest. I'm not a fan of the revealing the specs thing, by the way. Why not? Because it's drumming up, basically, um, what would you call it? It's basically drumming up a hype that they either will not be able to live up to or people will be disappointed by. Yeah, but they oh, have well. to do something because Sony kind of beat them to it. So, Yeah, also not a fan of Sony doing it that way, but eh. Yeah, you know. At Cats least out of the, the bag, it is what it is. Yeah, and at least got the conversation started, you know. Yeah, true. But I feel that, here's the thing. I feel that if they were going to do something like that, I would rather they'd have it closer to 2020 than doing it summer of 2019. So if they did it, if they did it during their um, their their Xbox I/O event or Sony during their their fan event that they do 
uh, around fall, to me, that would make for a way more better flow of building up hype instead of setting expectations too high for themselves. Okay. At least that's how I feel about it. I don't know how you feel about it. That's how I feel about um, that kind of like way too early announcements. Because we've seen it before in the, in the games industry that a game gets announced way too early and when it finally comes out, it's mediocre. Yep. So, yeah. Well, at least it sounds like a decent... If that If that article and that plan is true, that is a very interesting plan. Yeah, and I honestly don't think that Rare is going to announce a new game because they're probably still way up into um, uh, Sea of Thieves, making content for that, making sure that at least the player base there is satiated. But it could be their live team because what you generally see with these live service games, which we talked about in the past, is that for example, 100% of the studio's capacity or the 100% of the team's capacity is on getting the game done and getting the game shipped. And then there's this small skeleton crew, which is called the Life Team, which supports yeah. the game in that after, during after, that period of yeah, time, yeah. So that the main team can start focusing on something new. Yeah, true. So true. it could be that they're drumming something up that just maybe not ready to show it. Eh, who knows? They should just um, make a new GoldenEye game like they did on the N64. I don't know if they have the team members left for that. Uh, I, I think a lot of people would love that. Because I know that the GoldenEye game... I'm not saying made. that a lot of people wouldn't love that. It's just... I don't know. Maybe... I hope if they do something like that, that they at least put a new spin on it. Because Perfect Dark Zero was not it. Yeah, I know like a couple of years ago, Activision remade GoldenEye and then it had Daniel Craig in it. But it's not the same as the yeah, one was, on the N64. For example... That, that was a weird decision. If Nintendo does an N64 Mini, I think that GoldenEye is one of those games that is a definite must-be-on-it. Well, see, that's the problem, and that's also the reason why they had to update that remake of GoldenEye, is because the license got is passed around so much that... Yeah, I just I don't know who owns the license to which version and to what specifically in that game. But considering that Nintendo and Microsoft have been more buddy buddy than ever, yeah. I mean, there is a possibility to that, but it is a long shot. I never know. I never thought Microsoft and Sony would partner up on Azure. I mean, come on. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, and there and there are also rumors pertaining to that Nintendo might actually be in the mix for that too. No, but they're gonna have a nice uh, threesome. Yeah, but it, that that's actually a really interesting thing. If that rumor ends up being through, true, true <laughs> um, we might be seeing the end of the console wars as we know it. I don't know about that because. In the end, I think what they're doing is is they're borrowing tech from each other, and I don't. Think... Well, they're borrowing tech from one place, but yeah. No, but I think that I think that this deal is also beneficial for Microsoft because Sony bought Gaikai and Unlive, so they have both patent for patents for both companies in their hand, and I think 
that Microsoft will definitely get something out of the deal as well. It's it's like a look in the kitchen of your competitor and also hoping to maybe leverage one of those patents they have because maybe it's one of those deals, hey, we'll share our Azure technology with you if you share your Geica and OnLive technology with us. So I think both parties stand to gain from this deal. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. We just have to wait and see what comes out of it. Yeah, true. Yeah. yeah. Any uh, Nintendo predictions before we wrap this up? Yeah, so... Here's the thing with Nintendo right now. 2019 has been a... Well, I wouldn't call it quiet because they have had game releases that are at least interesting enough. And they've had game announcements that are interesting enough. They did a lot of directs at the beginning of the year. Yeah, I mean, they had a big-ass direct that announced a whole bunch of stuff. And then they had an indie direct that announced a whole bunch of stuff. Stuff of which still hasn't come out, like the Cadence of Hyrule which should have come out this this spring, but it missed its shot. And now it seems to be coming out this month in June. So hopefully we'll get a proper date during E3. Maybe they'll shadow drop it during the Direct, which is something that Nintendo does love to do. They like to shadow drop at least one or two games during their, uh, their Direct or their digital events. So hopefully that might be one of them. The other thing is that they had a bunch of games that they announced that we still haven't heard anything from. Bayonetta 3, we know nothing else about it. We also know next to nothing about the game that they announced from Platinum Games, the other game called um, Astral Chains. But Nintendo has been hyping that game for the past three months on their Twitter page. But at least once a week, they'll upload new screenshots of that game. Um, the Game Freak game that they're working on, besides Pokemon, which only has the working title Town, it still only has the working title. So hopefully that gets announced too. The thing that I'm looking forward to the most from Nintendo right now is because they delayed uh, Metroid Prime 4, that they finally, finally announced a Metroid Prime Trilogy HD collection for the Switch. Because that's something that people have been wanting for years now, ever since the Switch came out and ever since the Wii U came out, and they still haven't done it. And from the rumors that we've heard, they were working on it, and it was apparently ready to go until they had to delay Metroid Prime 4. So hopefully that is something that does come out. Um, As I already stated, I also hope that Mario vs. Rabbids Kingdom Battle gets a sequel announced, but if they do... It probably won't be announced at Nintendo's um, ETH, uh, Direct. It will probably be announced at Ubisoft. Other than that, they said that they weren't going to announce any hardware stuff. Uh, but the thing that I'm really hoping for, and I'm pretty sure that most other uh, Nintendo Switch owners are hoping for, is that they announce whatever the next phase is for their, is for their online... Um, for their online uh, subscription. Because as it is right now, it's kind of bare bones. The only good thing that came out of it was Tetris 99. And, well, that's kind of it. I mean, yes, you have the Famicom and NES games, but honestly, we need a little bit more than that. And we need also a bit of more stability when it comes to the Nintendo Switch Online service. So hopefully they'll announce the next phase of what they're going to do with that service next and uh yeah hopefully we 
I, I can guarantee that we'll get at least one game announced that nobody saw coming that's at good. all. That's good to hear. Yeah, and it's probably going to be from a third party um, because they like to surprise us with third party developed stuff exclusively for Switch or it has a timed exclusive on Switch. Maybe it's Red Dead Redemption 2 on Switch. Never be something. Nah, I don't. Unless they were to announce something like a Switch Pro, I don't think that's going to happen no. anytime soon. No. Cool. That's it, I think, for this one, right? Yeah, that um, that should be it, unless you have any other predictions from Sony or Microsoft. We didn't talk about Bethesda. Uh, Bethesda already said that they're not going to show Starfield or the new Elder Scrolls. That's confirmed. But they haven't yeah, said that... anything else. But that was kind of par for course. Yeah. So, so uh, I guess they don't have a lot to show, do they? They'll probably show Doom and maybe Obviously. an update around Fallout 76, maybe an expansion or something like that. And of course, Wolfenstein Youngblood. Wolfenstein Youngblood. I didn't actually know that game was in development. I found out like a month ago. <laughs> what? Yeah, I kind of totally missed out on that one. I don't know what All right. Yeah. Okay. Fair. But uh, yeah, that's it. And then uh, Square Enix is going to show off the Avengers game, I believe, mm-hmm. which is developed by yeah. Crystal Dynamics with guys behind Tomb Raider and Idols Montreal, the guys behind uh, Days X. And it's going to have a single player. It's going to have a co-op campaign, and you can customize your Avengers. And to be honest, I think it's going to be an action RPG based on the people Sounds that are working on it. Sounds like a Marvel Ultimate Alliance game. Yeah, that's what I thought. So we'll just have to wait and see. Hmm. The game has been in development for some years, so they should be ready to show something. Oh, one more final prediction before we head out. I'm predicting that Digital Evolver, the Digital Revolver, probably will have some weird digital press event like they did last year and the year before and announce some crazy-ass indie titles. Well, (laughs) I hope they do. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much guaranteed at this point, but honestly, who knows with those guys? Yeah. Oh, well, we'll just see and we'll wait and see. Yeah. All right, so that's it for our E3 predictions. Uh, stick around and we'll be coming back with what we've been playing. Alrighty, welcome back to our last segment. What have you been playing? I think I'll let you go because you told me that you haven't been playing a lot and then I have a big chunk to talk about uh, two games I've been playing. So what have you been playing? Yeah, so um, this past couple of weeks, it's been I've been really swamped with work. I've had late shifts. And you would think that um, you'd think that I'd be fine of time to play some stuff. I did, I did. I actually... Um, as I stated a couple of weeks before, I dig, I dug out my 3DS and started playing some stuff. Um, and one of those things that I've been playing, um, I think actually I talked about it last week, last time, last episode as well, was Animal Crossing New Leaf. Um, I've still been playing that one, which is, which has been fun because it is a very nice game to play when you're done with your day and you're so tired that your brain is feeling like mush. And there's nothing more simpler to do than go chasing bugs and go fishing for trout or whatever the fish fishes are that season and just look up to the stars and just be like, oh, yeah, this is nice. This is the country life. I've, and 
yeah, it, it it has been nice to play that on and off. Um, and it's nice to just catch up with your animal friends and just talk and stuff and just kick back and relax and just do stuff. Walk around your town, pick some flowers, dig some holes, fall into some traps, nah, that kind of stuff. But I've also picked up, uh, on the cheap, by the way, a copy of the Switch version of Starlink Battle for Atlas, which comes with Star Fox content. And let me just say that game is actually not bad. In fact, I dare say that they probably would have had a really good game on their hand if it wasn't tied to the whole toy mechanic. If it didn't have the toy mechanic, then I think I think that Ubisoft would actually have a decent property on their hands because they still update the game with new content and stuff and they just um, released a new a new story patch so that has and it's a free content so it's just a, an addition to the main storyline and you can jump in whenever you want those and toys looks, things look kind of reminded me of the skylander stuff exactly but honest it's it's kind of like one of the skylanders that they did a couple of years ago where you had uh vehicles yeah but here you can attach stuff to the vehicles and the switch version comes with a really nice version of the Star Fox R-Wing, which actually has opposable parts on it, so you can pose it whatever way you like, That's and it nice. actually lights up. But it just feels too forced, no? You know? Exactly. That That's my point. The game itself is not a bad game. It's a... Um, I mean, it's a dogfighting game where you can play... when you where you have dogfights in space but also on the planet's surface, and you can transition from the planet to space and vice versa as easy as pie. That's cool. Kind of, it kind of feels like how it feels in uh, No Man's Sky, except that the travel time between leaving the planet's atmosphere and going to space and vice versa is way shorter than it is on uh on no man's sky but then again no man's sky has more of a realism aspect to it so that's why it feels that way but it's not a bad game the aiming could be done a bit better though to be honest it could use a targeting system but other than that it feels nice and when you're on the planet it kind of feels like a third person shooter which is kind of interesting for a flight game then they really nailed the controls for the most part, they did, yeah. It was kind of, because because it has flight controls, they were kind of weird to get used to, especially when you're trying to strafe over the planets. But when you're in space, you know, all bets are off. You, you're going upside down and left and right, and you're making barrel rolls. It's all crazy. Nice. Yeah. The only, Honestly, the only thing for me, at least in terms of a gameplay aspect, uh, perspective, is that it's the missing targeting system. I think if you at least have some kind of a lock-on system, even if it didn't direct your crosshairs constantly, just that you know where your the, the the enemy that you're focused on is, that would be nicer than just seeing arrows as to where they might be. 
Okay. Yeah. But I've played about mm, four hours of that game. I'm gonna I'm gonna take my time and play Starlink Battle for Atlas. Um so you'll probably hear more updates uh, as I go along, but yeah, it is not a bad game. That is good to hear. I was thinking about buying it when I had a Switch and then I just sold my Switch. No, nah, I mean, I think if you do and if you do decide on buying it, just just buy it digitally on the PlayStation Store when it's on when it's on sale. Um because from here on out all the all the updates, all the updates, all the space parts and stuff are going to be digital anyway, so Oh, okay. Yeah, it's not. I don't think it's uh, plus. Apparently, plus according to people that bought it digitally, you get way more bang for your buck, anyways, because it's a lot easier to get the parts. Whereas if you buy the physical copy, you actually have to buy more toys. So. Yay. Yeah. Okay. That's it. Cool. So uh, yeah, that that's it for me, man. Like I said, I didn't play a lot. I mean, I played. I played some uh, some Aloy, Aloy a bit, but I didn't really get that far because freaking Dillian Hawks. <sighs> Seriously, I hate those things. But uh, yeah, what have you been playing, Sean Templar? I've been playing two games, and I've experienced a game I had been playing in a new way, and I'll leave that for last because that, that was an eye-opening moment for me. Okay. So I'm still playing Formula One on the PlayStation, mm-hmm. I finished my championship at Mercedes. I won the driver's championship and the constructor's championship. So for those who don't know, the driver's championship is the one you gain by winning the races and those points accumulate for yourself. And then you have the constructor's championship, which is more like your team award. So both you and your teammate accumulate points and it goes towards that. Um, So that's kind of fun because you could have, for example, a different Constructors Champions winner and a completely different Driver Champions winner. It doesn't happen that often, but in theory, it's possible to have it that way. Um, It might have even happened a few times in the past. So I finished my season there and then in a bold move, I switched from Mercedes to Ferrari. And the cool part about it is that you really notice the difference in the cars and in the way the cars handle. Because in general, the upgrades you can do are all the same. It's just that one team is more developed than the other. But even I've switched to a completely different car and the car really handles differently. And that's really cool because it adds an extra layer of challenge. Whereas with the Mercedes car, I would in some parts easily navigate through turns. I have to be more calculated this time with the Ferrari car and I have to take more stuff into account when I'm racing in that car. And I can push the car to its limits as much as I could do with the Mercedes car. So it's really fun to be in a different team because I really notice that it's pushing me to do different things. And it's also that the team expects different things from me compared to Mercedes. So that's, yeah, it adds an extra layer for me instead of just doing the same stuff for another season. So I really like that part about the game. Okay. Wow. That, wow. That goes really deep in that. Yeah, I, I didn't expect it to happen. So that's yeah. It's like a onion layers, onion peeling. That's really cool. Um, so are you? So on what season are you on on your um, on your careers? Like this second third, season. Second. 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 Yeah. Yeah. I kind of do like a race a day because the way the race is built up is you have three practice sessions and then you have a qualifying session and then you have a race session. 
And then if you want, you can skip all those sessions, go directly to the qualifying session and then do the race. But if you complete a certain objectives or certain activities in those practice sessions, you get resource points, which you can use to invest in your car and upgrade the car. And then you have, for example, a green objective, which is the bare minimum you need to get to pass that activity. And then there's a purple objective, which is generally like a faster one based on the green one. And then you get more resource points. And what I generally do is, is I get all the objectives in the first two sessions of the practice and then I skip the third and I just go to the qualifying one. Okay, yeah. cool. And then another game came out that I'm playing last, what I've been playing last week, and that is Total War Three Kingdoms, which is a game I've been really looking forward to and I'm really happy that it came out. <laughs> it, uh, yeah. for, for people that don't know, it's... Another Total War game, but this time it's set in the Romance of the Three Kingdoms era, kind of like uh, exactly the same era I talked about in the last episode with the Dynasty Warriors. Exactly. And this time they've really gone all out because what they've done is when you start the game, there are two modes you can choose. You have the Romance mode in which it's a more heroic mode. So your generals are more these heroes and they have bigger impact in battles and they can take on whole armies by themselves in the game in theory uh, so it kind of adds more flair to the game whereas you can also choose for record mode which is your classical total war game in which a general has a bodyguard unit and they don't have any super amazing abilities they just have their normal abilities that you're used to um, hmm. i'm playing in romance mode because i like the heroic part and you notice with this total war game that it's really, it's the best Total War game so far, and a lot of reviews are confirming it. it it's the best-selling Total War game so far. It sold a million in a week, I read today. Um, so the developers are happy about that as well. And it's just, it's so deep. And that's kind of also a bit of a, a flaw in the game, that it's, it's so deep. There are so many me mechanics in the game, and the tutorials aren't that super clear. So you get overwhelmed by this game. It's it's so overwhelming that the first, like I've played 20 hours so far and the first couple of hours were really me just trying to figure out what I'm doing and constantly getting this feeling that I'm either missing something or I'm forgetting something or that I don't feel that I'm utilizing something really. And then what I eventually did is, is I started looking onto these YouTube videos that just provide instructions and more information about how the mechanics work. And after that, I really felt like, okay, I understand this game now. So that's kind of a bummer, but, you know, Total War games are never easy. Yeah, wow. Yeah, okay. yeah. and what I love about it is that there are so many different approaches. In the previous games, I was this, this warlord guy. I would just build up armies and invade everybody. And with this game, it's so much more about diplomacy. And I've had instances in which... Um, that I'm talking about... Um, that I'm that I'm talking to other factions and I'm trying to trade with them or whatever, and then all of a sudden a lot of factions start to pronounce war and declare war, and I'm like, okay, let's do this. And then a couple of turns in, they're all like, no, 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 we we want to have peace. We don't want to fight you. Let's be friends again. <laughs> and so eventually, I I started making a lot of peace with them, and there was one character. He was uh, Sun Jian, which is actually a, an important person or a famous person in those realms of the Three Kingdoms era. And he kept on going to war with me. So I thought, you know what? Let's do this. I want to take you on. 
And I started invading his lands and I started taking his lands over. And, and, and soon it was like, no, 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 I just want to be friends. Let's have peace. I'm like, no, we're not going to have peace, man. You wanted this. You're going to get this. So I pushed on a lot into his lands. And then eventually he said, you know what? I'll just give you a lot of money. Just leave me alone. I want peace. And I'm like, okay, I'll take your money. And then, then I and then they called up their friend Gandhi, and then he nuked Joe. <laughs> no, no. The funny part is, <laughs> after that, like a couple of thirds after that, and I'm gonna say this as bluntly as I can, I made him my bitch. Because right. you mm. can you can approach factions, and you can say, "I want you to become my vassal." So that means that they become part of your faction, but they're still their own faction. You don't absorb their lands and their generals. So there's they're like. Your bitch. They do what you want you to do, and they give you money and they give you tribute. And then I went to another faction and I said, "Hey, you want to be my bitch too?" And they said, "Okay, I'll be your bitch." So now <laughs> I have multiple vassals, and that also adds to the diplomacy because then other factions take you more seriously or are starting to get afraid of you. And so eventually, I got to this point now in my game that there is this fragile peace between all the lands, and I have the map's really big, and I have a, quite a, some part of the map. But still not all. Uh, there's a huge chunk left that I need to take over. And there's this fragile piece between me and all these factions. And they're all just waiting. It's like a powder keg. So I'm just waiting for a spark to ignite it all and then go to war with all these factions. So I'm plotting and <laughs> and I'm really trying to... Uh, it, you see, it's the, the way I'm explaining this right now, I'm just plotting. I'm just waiting instead of with other games that I would play, just, just mindlessly rush into it and kill everyone. So that's really cool about this game. And I'm going to be playing a lot more about this one. For those of you who are wondering, that reference was a civilization reference where for whatever, for no, not for whatever reason, for a programming reason, Gandhi can get super aggressive and start nuking other people. That's, that's, that's so about. cool. That's so cool. Yeah, I didn't play civilization, but that's really cool. Yeah, And the last thing is kind of a, a new experience, as I put it. I ordered a 4K monitor the other week. Oh, yeah. okay. fancy. Yeah, and I hooked it up to my, uh, to my PC, and I started playing Battlefield 5 in 4K. And mm -hmm. I can reasonably run it at high settings. So the next step is to buy a new computer, but that, that will happen this year. Um, but what I really had when I played Battlefield in 4K, I kind of had this eye-opening moment because on full HD, I can play the game on Ultra and it looks okay. But I always had this feeling like I'm missing out because, for example, when I played Battlefield 3 for the first time, I had this, oh my God, this is so pretty moment. In the beta, a lot of friends would, would tell me to shut up because I would constantly say, oh my God, this game is so pretty. <laughs> and everyone's like, shut up, we know, we just want to play this game, shut up. And I'm like, no, but it's so pretty, you know? <laughs> and I didn't have that moment with this Battlefield, and I was kind of surprised because Battlefield 1 also was a really nice game. And until I, I started up the game in 4K and I went to the Rotterdam map, and I it's there that I had this, oh my God, this game is so pretty moment. It's like it's a completely different game in 4K. It just adds a... Com it's like this filter that suddenly gets turned on and the colors are super nice and the sh everything's super sharp and detailed. And I don't know what they did, but it, 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 it almost it's almost like they missed this tagline, which is like Battlefield 5 in 4K, the way it's meant to be played. You know, it's, they kind of <laughs> need that tagline because it's really... In 4K, the, really ga the game really shines. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's it kind of for me.
Okay, cool. Um, but okay, I mean, yeah, honestly, I, I don't know. I haven't done a lot of 4K gaming. Maybe if I do some, I'll be convinced of it. But at least it sounds, it's at least it sounds you're getting more out of it already with the 4K monitor. So that's actually nice. Yeah, cool. good to yeah, hear. Yeah, really, really happy with it. Yeah. Then uh, keep us uh, posted on p- p- keep us posted on that, and uh, I will. Hopefully, uh, I don't know. Well, I'm assuming that if you have a 4K monitor, that would mean that the 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 frame rate also would be nice and proper if you're running it on lower settings. Yeah, so, so. Th- I kind of noticed that my PC is the bottleneck because the PC I have is a 2011 built one, and the graphics card in it is a newer one. So my CPU and all that stuff is really the bottleneck. So I'm thinking about yeah. buying a new computer one of these months, and then then I'll think that the, the game will shine a bit better and has a, have a better st- stable frame rate. Exactly. Yeah. All right, cool. Um, so I guess that's it for this episode then. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, as always, um, you can always find us on any of your favorite podcast listening apps, be it Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast. or Anchor itself, or Overcast. Um, you can find us online at, uh, <laughs> at game underscore rivals underscore on Twitter. You can find me under at Maximilian, um, but you can also send us your uh, voice clip via the Anchor website. We also have a link for that in the description of this episode. So if you head on to the link in the episode description of your podcast app, just click on it, leave us a voice message, and maybe next time you'll be featured in one of our episodes. It's really easy. I think I think you don't even have to create like an account or something. It's not like a lot of hoops you have to jump through. It's really easy. Exactly. So, so hopefully we can, yeah. So hopefully we can get enough of uh, of your guys' input, and we might be able to make an episode around one of those. That'd be so, so cool. Yeah. So from uh, myself, Maximilian X, and me, Sean Templer. We wish you a pleasant week, and we will see you during E3. Stay tuned, people.